Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It is Friday, January 14th, 2022. And uh, again, the, the students are all doing testing this morning with their computers. Basically what happens is it doesn't really matter how much data they use. Um, our system, our internet connection isn't really built to have 40 people using, <laughs> 40 computers using uh, the internet all at once. Um, usually it's okay in the morning. I know we might have a handful at the most, but uh, right now all the students are doing testing and they're not only using data, but it just, what it does is it increases what's called the latency, the amount of delay. And um, this sort of video streaming requires low latency. There can't be a lot of delay or things don't go well. And unfortunately, yeah, when they're all using it, the delay increases exponentially. So um, the video quality will come and come, come and go. I've tried to do my best to improve that for today. All right. Yesterday was terrible. <laughs> all right, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, we say our memory verse. Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God by, as a little child will by no means uh, enter it. Mark 10, verses 14 through 15, of course. <clears throat> Our psalm is Psalm 141. O Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart incline to any evil, to busy myself with wicked deeds in the company with men who work iniquity, and let me not eat of their delicacies. Let a righteous man strike me, it is a kindness. Let him rebuke me, it is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. Yet my prayer is continually against their evil deeds. When their judges are thrown over the cliff, then they shall hear my words, for they are pleasant." As when one plows and breaks up the earth, so shall our bones be scattered at the mouth of Sheol. But my eyes are toward you, O God, my Lord. In you I seek refuge. Leave me not defenseless. Keep me from the trap that they have laid for me, and from the snares of evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their own nets, while I pass by safely. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. First reading today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. 
kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. And, but the greatest of these is love. Famous, very famous uh, section from St. Paul's epistle. Uh, it's not, it, it cannot be understood apart from everything that came before it and that which comes after it. This is key, right? He's been talking um, to the church of Corinth and speaking very specifically about their rebellious um, behavior, their unbelief, the way that they've, they're acting out of love towards one another, in specific in regards to the Lord's Supper and their practices attached to that, uh, which are uh, contrary to God's word, right? And now he's speaking more generally and more, oh, I don't know, poetically, I guess is fair to say, and speaking of how their behavior towards one another actually is a betrayal of their lack of love for one another, right? So we don't want to... This is always a challenge with Christian doctrine, uh, and even especially poetic sections of the scriptures like this, is that we take it and we think of it as a high and lofty idea, which is true, it is. Um, it's majestic and it's grand, the way that Paul communicates it here. But it had very specific and in, intentional um, direction towards their lack of love towards one another, in particular their behavior towards one another in regards to the Lord's Supper and eating and drinking um, food that had been prepared for idols, etc., so this is always the danger when we talk about love in particular, especially from this section, is that we think of love in abstract terms as, as a feeling or as an idea, uh, rather as not as he does here even, uh, as particular behaviors and attitudes and actions and words, right? Love speaks the truth. Um, love is patient, right? It's a behavior. Love is kind, right? Um, does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Right? We're talking about the character of the individual, right? To be to act in love uh, is as much the action and the words as it is the character and the um, demeanor of the person, right? So it's it's not just uh, oh hearts and and butterflies and things flying around. It's actual intentional Christian behavior, behavior that lives according to the life of Christ and by His Spirit. All right, so that's. Uh, Oh, it's a little bit of, I suppose it's even a pet peeve of mine, <laughs> is that um, love is has become so generic that it no longer means anything, right, for some, right? Say, it's, you Christians, you don't love, you know, you're, you need to love me the way that um, I want to be loved. And, uh, well, you don't get to define that, on the one hand, it's God's word that defines what love is, um, but two... Uh, your behavior in itself is unlovely when you're making demands of another, um, that especially when they're contrary to God's word, right? You must love me just the way I am. No, I don't have to, actually. Uh, if the way that you are is, uh, is a life lived in sin, the most lovely thing for me to do is actually to rebuke you. <laughs> uh, again, in spirit of gentleness and in, um, with 
not looking to hurt or harm the person, but rather to uh, call them to repentance for the amendment of life. Right. So that's the problem when love becomes abstract, is then um, it gets divorced from God's word. And that's that's also, um, well, contrary even to the way that Paul uses it here in this epistle. All right. Now we continue our catechesis through Second Kings, and we're now in chapter 11, right, picking up where we left off. When Ataliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal heirs. But Jehosheba, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being murdered. And they hid him and his nurse in the bedroom with Ataliah, from Ataliah so that he was not killed. And so he was hidden from her house, her in the house of the Lord for six years, while Ataliah reigned over the land. In the seventh year, Jehoiada sent and brought the captains of hundreds of the bodyguards and the escorts and brought them into the house of the Lord to him. And he made a covenant with them and took an oath from them in the house of the Lord and showed them the king's son. Then he commanded them, saying, This is what you shall do. One third of you shall come on duty on the Sabbath, who come on duty on the Sabbath shall be keeping watch over the king's house. One third shall be at the gate of Sur, and one third at the gate behind the escorts. You shall keep watch of the house, lest it be broken down. The two contingents of you who go off duty on the Sabbath shall keep the watch of the house of the Lord for the king. But you shall surround the king on all sides, every man with his weapons in his hand, and whoever comes within range, let him be put to death. You are to be with the king as he goes out and as he comes in. So the captains of the hundreds did according to all that Jehoiada the priest commanded. Each of them took his men who were to be on duty on the Sabbath with those who were going off duty on the Sabbath and came to Jehoiada the priest. And the priest gave the captains of hundreds the spears and shields which had belonged to King David that were in the temple of the Lord. Then the escort stood, every man with his weapons in his hand, all around the king, from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple, by the altar and the house. And he brought out the king's son, put the crown on him, and gave him the testimony. They made him king and anointed him, and they clapped their hands and said, Long live the king! Now, when Ataliah heard the noise of the escorts and the people, she came to the people in the temple of the Lord. When she looked, there was the king standing by a pillar according to custom, and the leaders and the trumpeters were by the king. All the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. So Ataliah tore her clothes and cried out, Treason! Treason! And Jehoiada the priest commanded the captains of the hundreds, the officers of the army, and said to them, Take her outside under guard, and slay with the sword whoever follows her. For the priest had said, Do not let her be killed in the house of the Lord. So they seized her, and she went by the way of the horse's entrance into the king's house, and there she was killed. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord, the king, and the people, that they should be the Lord's people, and also between the king and the people. And all the people of the land went to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They thoroughly broke in pieces its altars and images, and killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. Then the priest appointed officers over the house of the Lord. Then he took the captains of the hundreds, the bodyguards, and the escorts, and all the people of the land, and they brought the king down from the house of the Lord, and went by the way of the gate of the escorts to the king's house. Then he sat on the throne of the kings. So all the people of the land rejoiced 
and the city was quiet, for they had slain Ataliah with the sword in the king's house. Jehoash was seven years old when he became king. All right, so let's do some catechesis. Um, who was Ataliah? Right, we meet her. Uh, we actually skipped over this chapter. Um, her genealogy of sorts was given back in Second Kings chapter eight, so we didn't read that in catechesis because it was mostly just uh, kingcraft stuff. Um, but here's what it says. Let's see. Joram reigns over Judah, or Jehoram, excuse me. Um, Joram, the son of Ahab. He gets to be called Jehoram when he uh, reigns. And he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, just as the house of Ahab had done. For the daughter of Ahab was his wife, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Right. So the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel is Jehoram's wife, or Joram's wife, all right, or one of them anyway. And then later on, it says, Ahaziah was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Ataliah, the granddaughter of Omri, king of Israel. All right, so she's the granddaughter of Omri, the daughter of Ahab, king of Israel, uh, who married Jehoram, king of Judah. Remember, Israel to the north, Judah to the south. So she's not of the line and lineage of Judah, but she has she married uh, Jehoram or Joram, and um, her son is Ahaziah. Right? All right. Now we've met Ahaziah. We talked about him yesterday. He was killed by Jehu in that battle. Remember, he was up visiting um, uh, Joram in the north. All right, you notice what Ataliah does, right? She kills all of the king's sons, right? All the royal heirs, right? Presumably the king had other uh, wives and had other sons, right? We don't know their names. She kills them all except for uh, one of the sons, and that is Joash, right? The son of Ahaziah. Um, And he's protected by Jehoshabah, the daughter of King Joram. Which is interesting, All right? Um, so, um, what does this indicate? This killing of all the offspring of Judah—that's the key here. The king of Judah, yeah, she's an agent of Satan attempting to destroy David's line to prevent the coming of the Messiah. Remember, David of the house and lineage of David. So, yeah, this is an attack on uh, the messianic promise. It's always key. Got to watch for that. Uh, Joash is hidden, right? He and his nurse, um, because his mother's presumably dead as well, uh, were hidden in a bedroom by Jehoshaphat. All right. Um, Joash then is a figure being hidden away from the murderous uh, queen of, of Christ, right? Think of the slaying of the innocents and Herod. Where and for how long was Joash hidden? I think this is great, actually. Yeah, six years, but in the temple of the Lord, right? So he's being raised in the temple. Hmm. Um, why would Joash be revealed in the seventh year? Seventh day, the day of the resurrection, he's raised up to bring rest on the Sabbath, bring a Sabbath to Judah, which has been under these ter- this terrible uh, ruling of kings and queen, right? Uh, in unbelief, Baal worship, etc. Um, he's protected there in the temple by Jehoiada, the priest, right? You see Jehoiada there in verse 9. Um, Jehoiada brings also into the temple, he would have been the high priest, by the way, um, commanders of units of a hundred, and also the bodyguards and the escorts. So he's got a whole 
group here, and he reveals to them that um, Joash is the king's son. All right, so there is a rightful heir who has been preserved uh, by God's doing in the temple. Which I think is key. Uh, how does he organize Jehoiada? How does he organize the guards? All right, so we have three companies. One of the three companies on duty on the Sabbath was divided into a third at the royal palace, a third at the surrogate, and a third at the gate of the escorts. So we have one company of three that are doing that. The other two companies uh, were guarding the king's son at the temple. So we have some lookouts, basically, right? Where at the palace, at the surrogate, and then um, at the gate behind the escorts, right? And then the other companies are... Uh, guarding the king's son at the temple. Um, escorts, this would have been escorts for the queen. So it would have been bodyguards and escorts for the queen, right? Um, but here now they're being used to guard the rightful heir, the king, or what? who will soon be the king. Yeah, so they switch sides is what's going on here and under the instruction of Jehoiada the priest. Uh, what's the order, of course? In verse 8, what happens? Those two companies guarding um, Joash, what's to happen if anyone comes near? They are to be killed. Um, notice what they're armed with, too. This is great. They're armed with the spears and shields of David. See that in verse 10? Um, what do you think about that? Why remind us about that? That we're being stored in the temple there? This is re reminding us of the Lord's faithfulness to defend David, um, even as he did, you know, in, those, in the days of David, even without spears and shields, right? Which is important because, of course, Joash being a boy at this point, seven years old. So how is the son, king's son revealed? Yeah, they put a crown on him, right? They bring him out, put a crown on him, give him, I love this, the, the testimony, the scriptures. And they made him king and anointed him, and they clapped their hands and said, long live the king. Yeah, so they gave him a copy of the testimony. That's uh, the law. This is pretty pretty uh, neat parallel with Jesus, isn't it? Is there a time when this happened to him? And Jesus was out, brought out before the crowd, by Pontius Pilate, given a crown of thorns, and they screamed for him not to live, but to be crucified. See, so it's the opposite. How did the people react to Joash? Yeah, clapping and shouting, long live the king. Uh, of course, why did Ataliah come then to the temple? Uh, she heard the noise, right? This reminds us of, uh, well, is there another time where, where loud noises attracted the attention of the rulers at the temple? That's right, when Jesus entered Jerusalem and came to the temple on Palm Sunday and the crowds were crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. Uh, attracted, uh, in Jesus' case, wanted attention. Same here, right? Um, this is also a parallel, I think, to the, the visit of the Magi to Herod, right? Where is he born king of the Jews, right? And that draws Herod's attention to Bethlehem. What was uh, Athaliah's re um, reaction when she comes into the temple, seeing the king as the custom and the leaders and the trumpeters? And the people crying out, she tears her clothes and cries out, treason, treason. So that's what she, she's accusing them of treason. Um, is she the rightful heir? No, she has, she's the treasonous one. Um, I love the expression I've come to use a lot over the last year. And this is really helpful when we're talking about politics, when you're diagnosing politics. Um, whenever somebody makes an accusation, there's always the possibility that it's, um, confession through projection, right? So when somebody says, you know, accuses another party of uh, voter suppression, uh, maybe pay attention and see if not the person accusing the other of voter suppression is not the one actually suppressing vote, right? Um, 
when somebody points the finger at, uh, this, this is again in politics especially, or in any kind of power plays, when they accuse another of uh, treason, in this case, maybe they were actually the one who was treasonous, right? Um, or of being greedy, or being of uh, seeking a power grab, or supplanting, or what do you say, trying to overthrow democracy. Uh, honestly, anybody who says they're trying to overthrow democracy, somebody else is trying to overthrow democracy, are probably trying to do it themselves. Right? So just pay attention to that. Uh, and you see it right here with um, Ataliah. That's what she's doing. Treason, treason, but she's the treasonous one. All right. Uh, what happens then to Ataliah? Jehoiada, the priest, no separation of church and state here. Uh, Jehoiada has her seized and put to death. Right? Why? Because she is tre- the treasonous queen? Yeah, in part. But she is un- unbelieving, rebellious, and has set up false worship and has led God's people astray. She's an, not only an, um, a treasonous queen, she's an unfaithful queen, right? And God's judgment is brought upon them. Uh, and it's not wrong for God's priests and his prophets and his pastors even um, to call God's judgment upon those who rebel against God's word. doesn't matter whether they're Christian or not. Okay? And we do that in church, right? We pray against our rulers sometimes, especially um, as of late um, in the murder of the unborn, of course. That's, that's frequent. Um, but with tyranny and oppression and other means of um, taking away freedoms that God has granted to us. All right. Uh, where they kill her? This is interesting. Yeah, the horse's entrance, entrance into the king's house. You see that in verse 16, right? Not where the people enter and go, but where the horses do. Um, note what the people do after this, right? More faithfulness, right? Tear down the temple of Baal, smash the altars and idols, kill Matan, the, the priest of Baal, in front of the altars. All right. This is a little bit different than what we saw yesterday with uh, Jehu being set up as king of Israel because he continued the fall. He did desecrate the temple of Baal uh, appropriately. Uh, remember with the toilets, but uh, he does not tear down the golden statues and return Israel to faithfulness. Right? Because remember, Israel for that to happen, Israel would have to allow um, their citizens to travel to Jerusalem for worship to the temple. And uh, even Jehu is, uh, wants to maintain the false idolatry um, uh, worship in the north of Bethel and Dan. Uh, how old was Joash, or Jehoash, as he's called here at the end, uh, when he began to reign? Seven years old. Right? Beautiful, right? So then, uh, while Jezebel was certainly the wickedest queen in the north, her daughter, Ataliah, was the wickedest in the south. Both are figures of the, that harlot, the false church, which is always trying to destroy Christ and his faithful bride, the church. Like Herod in the New Testament or Pharaoh in Moses' day, Ataliah sought to destroy the Lord's promise by wiping out the line of males. In this case, Joash was the lone member of the line. God's faithfulness is seen in preserving the line of David and giving rest to Judah in the seventh year. By giving the covenant or testimony to Joash at the same time he crowned him, Jehoiada was calling the people of Judah to repentance and faith in the God of David. All right. Confess our catechism for this week. What is baptism? Baptism is not just plain water, but it is the water included in God's command and combined with God's word, which is that word of God. Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Matthew, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What benefits does baptism give? It works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this, as the words and promises of God declare. Which are these words and promises of God? 
Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Mark, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. We pray the collect for this week. O Lord, mercifully receive the prayers of your people who call upon you and grant that they both perceive and know what things they ought to do and also may have grace and power faithfully to fulfill the same. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for its spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted and for the sick and dying. We also pray uh, today for the households of our church, especially that of Randy, uh, Joseph and Andrea, Al, Jerome, Ron, and Thomas. We pray for uh, those receiving treatment, um, recovering from illness or currently ill, Marcella, Kelsey, Frank, Amanda, Dan, Timothy, Janice, and Colin, Ken, Norm, Sandy, Kathy, Jim, Elaine, and Mike. And also just to keep in our prayers, um, Jim Schmitz. I know we I did it um, extempore here uh, last week. I forgot to put him on my sheet here, Jim Schmitz. So we'll put him in here as well. All right, recovering from COVID. We also pray for our homebound, Bev, Willis, Mickey, and Paul. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially kindred heart families. We pray in intercession for the preservation of the word and the increase of the church. Pray for those grieving, uh, especially Dan and Liz and the family of Roy. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, we sing our hymn for this week, Jesus Once with Sinners Numbered. Son, the one I love. 
John confessed him as the Savior, look the sinless Lamb of God. Yet he dared not lose the sentence of the one God's love had shared. Oh, how fair the feet of Jesus, bringing news of peace to us. Christ, the herald of salvation, preaching mercy from the cross. This the baptism that our Savior greatly longed to undergo. This the crimson cleansing needed, so the world God's love might show. This the mission of Messiah, as he stepped from Jordan's stream. He, the chosen and anointed, Son of God sent to redeem. Jesus once with sinners numbered, all obedience was your path. You by death have consecrated water in this saving path. Dying to the sin of Adam, rising to a life of grace. Counted with the righteous, over us the cross you trace. All right, it's good to have you all with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, Guide for Daily Meditation and Prayer Around God's Word. We come to you each morning at about 9 a.m., and we'll do so again tomorrow, uh, Saturday where we'll consider the readings for Sunday, all right? And uh, the kids won't be here, so the internet quality will be improved. <laughs> Although I'm going to reach out to the provider because it's really kind of tanked the last couple of days, right? Uh, Wednesday night and then uh, yesterday and, and today. So I'm not real happy about that. We'll see if we can't improve it. All right, so uh, Lord's blessings to you today and always, and we'll see you tomorrow.